He has the saddest eyebrows, even when he is really excited. Wait, let me see these eyebrows. Hang on. Caleb Porter. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. So he's that's so look sad. At him. Oh, my oh. God. Yeah, he does have a look of that. Like his older brother. Um, what's, <laughs> what would what would Caleb Porter's older brother be named? Uh, Tristan. Tr- no, Tristan no, Porter? he's, he's got to be he's got to be like a really successful brother who has like who's a lawyer. Who, who his dad really respects. And he's like, oh, you don't have a real job. When are you going to get a retire from that soccer and get a job like Mark? Mark Charles. Oh, Charles Porter. Porter. Yeah. There, yeah. Charles, no, I was, was going to say Charles it's, Xavier it's, it's, Porter. Older brother's probably a junior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Dad probably yeah. gave him his name. That's yeah, the, he's uh, like, Mark, yeah. Mark Porter the fourth. And then you get, <laughs> although, you get although, Caleb although it, I have a feeling though, like Caleb Josh Porter was Porter. actually, Caleb Porter is actually the older son, but his younger brother is actually the junior. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by four comrades uh, this week. I've got Corey Schreppel, who um, just announced this week that he's going to be the hmm guy uh, um, editing uh, and doing sound for New York Times, uh, doing uh, Michael Barbaro and such. Hey, Corey. Yeah, hi. Thank you. Yeah, well, well uh, you know, staying in Minnesota. Yeah. So that's not, not moving. and. uh yeah, we'll be at the Times doing a bunch of stuff with their podcasts. Yeah. Um, after the first after uh, the new year. Well, congratulations. Uh, Congratulitos. Thank glad you. Glad that we still have a, a Peabody Award winning um, co-host of this podcast. Uh, we've oh, yeah. got uh, Mark Fangmeyer. Uh, how are you? I did not get hired by the New York Times. Great. Good, good, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all, all you have to do is just practice the. Um, here's what you need to know today. Um, Rodrigo Sanchez Javaria, hey man, you took off your Christmas hat, but that's cool. It had lights and everything. Wait, do you want me to wear it the whole time? I no, mean, I, I don't. Can. It's no I don't. Deal. I don't. It's okay. It's all right. It blinks in like three different formats, so it's like just, that's, uh, that's you can do thing. just live your life the way you want to, not to prove, not to please. And me. it's great for podcasts. Also joining us is Ian Marr, who is a doctor a real doctor because i don't count as a real doctor apparently <laughs> um um but uh ian welcome to the podcast you are the big winner from dark clouds uh, auction this weekend you beat out brian hanf who i believe has won the last three or four years uh you were the big donor this year to the sandy foundation to to get a spot on this um thank you uh welcome you're welcome. Uh, you know, I'm very happy. Thank you guys for having me on here. And I did a lot of um, euphoria and scotch fueled building between the um, 64th and 75th minute of yeah. the conference semifinal or conference finals. <laughs> you got you got also got a uh, karaoke party at the Black Heart of St. Paul, which uh, we all know and love. And so, thank you for your donations. Dark Clouds raised about $4,000, I believe, for the Santa Foundation. So, congratulations, Dark Clouds. Um, they do a fantastic job, and it's the off season. And as you think about the season coming up, everyone, you can think about getting involved with people like the Dark Clouds, the Red Loons, etc. 
they're great. And I know that there's a lot of work that goes into raising money like that and doing very cool things. If that's kind of your thing, you should do it. But here we are, Ian, um, we need to, before we get too far into this, we need to know what your deal is. Um, you are a dermatologist, but you're also like a professor of dermatology as well. Am I- yeah, yeah. I, I run the skin cancer program at the University of Minnesota. Um, so I specialize in skin cancer surgery. I teach residents. We have a, uh, a fellow who's someone who's finished residency who has made the unwise choice to spend another year of their life with me. Um, yeah, it's fun. It keeps it fresh. And, <laughs> um, yeah. wh- what is your connection to soccer? Where where did you? When did you? Is it a recent thing in your life? Yeah, no, I. Um, so I grew up playing soccer. I played college soccer at a little Division three school out in Ohio called Oberlin. Um, you know, I still like to play when I can. We've heard of Oberlin, Ian. <laughs> Not everybody out here has. Oh. Okay. geographic, you know? Um, but the, um, yeah. And then, you know, I'm a big Arsenal fan. Uh, I have the misfortune that my dad, uh, I grew up in like semi-rural West Virginia and there weren't a lot of people named Ian there. My dad brought me back an Ian Wright Jersey. Yeah. Um, when he went over there for business, you know, in the early nineties. Uh, and it was really awesome being an Arsenal fan, you know, about 20 years ago. And it kind of sucks right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've had any good times during your lifetime, it's that that's a that's a positive. I feel like uh, this whole um, we got to this whole Minnesota sports thing cliche that that happened when Minnesota lost in the semifinal this week, and I, I just I find it so lame because there are very few markets, places, states where you can live or teams that you follow that actually win trophies regularly or ever in your lifetime and like minnesota has won uh you know they won the baseball in sometime in the 90s right um they won the Lynx win all the time minnesota has won uh the soccer has won a trophy in my lifetime um you know it's it's not it's not so rare in minnesota sports has have the vikings won the won the football ever no, no. okay good yeah, and then the the hockey. What's either. the hockey? Do they ever win the hockey? No. Okay, great. No. Well, so you got a couple there. I'm just saying. I mean, if Arsenal, like I'm a Spurs fan, we're terrible all the time. The best moment we had was uh, in 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 my young uh, history of, of following them is is winning the Carling Cup, the League Cup, and then Juan de Ramos, who won it with them, didn't win a game for like the next twenty games. So, um. Well, Ian, welcome. You are you're a recent Minnesota United uh, fan, though, right? You moved here just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I uh, signed my. I was working at St. Louis University before I was here, and I signed my offer letter from the University of Minnesota, and immediately got on the Minnesota United website and bought season tickets. So two years we've been here now. I remember when my wife was uh, interviewing at a job uh, for the at the university. It's a university in New Mexico. I think it's the University of New Mexico in Las Cruces, uh, New Mexico. And I, I was like, she's she's doing the interview and I'm in the other Wait, room. Wait, what was that? Las Cruces? Las, Las, yeah, whatever. You know how bad I am at pronouncing. What? what, what, what Cruces? Like Crucifus? What? Las Cruces. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> so, but I like <laughs> immediately was like, all right, are there any teams nearby? And at that point, this was, uh, you know, 220. 10 2011 or something like that at that point it was basically like well 
I can basically just go to um, Ciudad Juarez uh, to to watch a team play or or drive all the way to Houston. I think you know it's, it was like ten hours to the nearest club, so it was probably like L.A. Galaxy or um, Dallas, something like that, or San Antonio Scorpions. They were a team then. So anyway, um, this is the podcast. We're going to we're going to take a break. Welcome, Ian. Thank you for um, being part of this. And then we'll come back and we will talk about the MLS. All right, the MLS Cup final happened this weekend. Seattle Sounders versus the Columbus Crew. Caleb Porter versus the Schmetz. I did not watch this game because the the game only value to me is just making Seattle Sounders jokes on Twitter. And uh, I was also in charge of putting the kids down that night. So I, I was doing that most of the night. Um, so someone give me, you guys give me what happened in this game. That That's interesting. It was, a, it was uh, like a ass kicking. So, yeah, yeah, it was. I, I think um, Matt Doyle uh, put it really well on Twitter. He's like the, the first half summary. It was an ass whooping. And then after the match, he was like, second half summary, if it was an ass whooping. Basically, Columbus came out, and it was a really open, uh, kind of chippy game for the first, um, you know, 15 minutes or so. And then Columbus just would not relent. They were they were pressing. They were uh, getting every second ball. Um, and then they had a fantastic first goal, and well, they were up. Was it they were up one zero at the half? Is that right, or were they up two zero at that point? I can't remember which one it was, but it was. <clears throat> but basically, the the story was Seattle just they they weren't firing. Whether or not we wore them down, or uh, or what, but um, I think we did. Um, basically, Columbus just wanted it, and they just came after Seattle, and they pressed, and they pressed, and they pressed, and they, pressed, and they would not let up. Um, I don't think their energy dipped that much at all throughout the entire match. Um, Zellerian had two um, fantastic goals. I forget who the who the other goal scorer was. That was actually my favorite, which was that second goal. Um, whoever it was from Columbus um, got a layoff Garrett from. Yep, yeah, exactly. Got the got the layoff from Zellerian and just this perfect, just bent it around the keeper to the far post. It was just, it was a beauty, and I was just watching it and. I think it's fantastic. I mean, after everything that the crew has been through the last couple of years, um, save the crew. They've, I think there was an Academy member, um, who was originally a part of that save the crew, um, group. And now he is an MLS cup winner. So it's, it's just a, it's just a great story. I, I'm, I'm glad that they were able to win that in, in front of some fans. Um, especially after the threat of potentially being uh, relocated to Austin, it was, it was great, but it was absolutely an ass kicking by by Columbus. Yeah, I mean Caleb Porter actually deserved to win an MLS Cup in uh, Columbus, unlike the one he won with Portland, where you know I think their goals like the first one was like the ball was like three yards out of bounds, and the second one was offsides. So, and that good was on a, him. Was that against that MLS Cup final that they won? It was twenty fifteen. That was his Portland versus Columbus in Columbus. Right, it was, yeah, Columbus. It was Columbus. Okay, right, because the ball went out. Okay, I had totally blanked on that. Yeah. My um, so Dustin Li Fung um, sent in this question saying, "Could you elaborate on why you dislike Caleb Porter?" I'm a Minnesota United fan. I don't support Columbus. Uh, I think Dustin also lives in Madison as well. 
Um, here, so this is, I think, a question for me because I love making fun of Caleb Porter. Um, I hate him because I've always thought that he was overrated as a manager, in part because of that, Ian. Like, that year that they won, they also barely squeaked into the playoffs. They did have a, a year where they were Supporter Shield winners. I've always viewed him as being kind of maybe overhyped for... And you win MLS Cup, and maybe that kind of erases all the actual problems that there are in your coaching game. However, I think that Columbus were very good this year, and they kicked the shit out of a very good Seattle Sounders. So I have to give him a bit of credit. The reason I hate Caleb Porter is uh, probably in his first year of being a coach. I remember being with uh, with the old in the old Dunord days with Bruce McGuire going to the MLS draft in Indianapolis and we were in the hotel bar and all the coaches were in there and in walks Caleb Porter. And he has like a, a, a like a, a puffy vest, like a, like th- that was hip, you know, in the mid aughts and that like a Marty McFly look. And, uh, and he takes that off and he sets it. And I, I just thought he was such a nerd. That's it. It's just the puffy vest. <laughs> it's literally it. I just, I picture him in a puffy vest and he's just such a nerd that I want to make fun of him, and that's it. I don't. I, leave- I mean, I think you're. I think you're right. When I was at, uh, I was at Virginia Commonwealth University, um, and I was friends with the head soccer coach there, who used to be one of um, Caleb's assistant coaches when they were at University of Akron together. Mm-hmm. And the dude is just a soccer nerd. That's exactly what he is. And I, like, I love me some nerds, but there's some kind of nerds that you I know. Don't. I'm like, look at you. How can you hate on a nerd? He's yeah. a different kind of nerd. You're, you're a book doctor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I like a certain kind of nerd, and that—that's he's not my kind of nerd. It, yeah, it, in defense <laughs> of Caleb Porter, not- he does everything for his players. He's supposed to be like just the nicest man to the people he plays for. So you can hate him if you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't need. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the permission. I I hate whoever I want irrationally. Um, so congratulations <laughs> to the Columbus crew. I do think that going through existential crises like they've been through makes their fan base. Uh, you know, I, I feel for them. Also, I don't. You know, I don't feel anything for. The, I have lots of Seattle Sounders friends. I don't feel anything for them. They just they win it all the time. So screw them. Um, we yeah. we decided to like not record last week. We could have recorded the day after if we won and do like a celebratory, you know, preview. But it just hurt too much. Uh, I just didn't want to do it, and it was nice to take a, a few a little bit of time. Now I forget the game, so uh, this will be really quick. But let's let's talk about it. going into the game. There were not that many surprises, right? We played the team that we 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 put out the team that we thought we'd put out. The first half. Let's let's start there. Were there surprises? Did that look the way that you imagined this game to have gone? Well, the first fifteen minutes, you know, previous games that we've had were always like we were in bunker mode, trying just to, um, pretty much, um, survive the the attack. And and this one was pretty even. Like they were pressing, and we were pressing. It was both teams were were trying quick to get out and, and create a counter. Uh, we weren't as successful as, as Seattle was, but we were getting chances. And I think that was one of those things that, that was, that was nice going into, into the first half of the first half was to know that we weren't in the same situation as before, which also meant we were expending more energy than we usually. I mean, we certainly went ahead 
uh, early. We we survived the 15 minutes that we were very worried about. We go ahead in the 30th or 29th minute with Reynoso's free kick that, I, I mean, right? It's goal of the year. Is it? Yeah, beat for, out for us at least. Just, I think, yeah. you know, we were, I think re- retroactively, I think for all of us, it's goal of the year. <laughs> I'll just delete the previous podcast. It's, it's was it like 30, 30 yards out and curls it yeah. and hits the post yeah, and then goes yeah, in? And not only that, he curled it in between the heads of two guys in the wall. Yeah, because one, because the one guy where the didn't, ball went ducked. Yeah, I mean, we we've all seen Reynoso, and we all wanted. Well, this is one of the things that we said on this podcast that we all wanted a free kick guild from him, like a free kick. And we've been close. You remember the one from the side that literally barely went in and hit the post. So the post has been his enemy, but on this one, he just made it seem seamlessly easy and fluid and just beautiful. That's one of the most beautiful like goals we've had in i don't know and in, in our in our existence at mls i must say is probably we you know i, I would and, put and that up it, yeah go ahead no it's just that you know molino gets his credits for where it does but that a free kick goal is always you know like i compared I, it to the messy goal that i saw in the 2016 um um copa america at soldier field where i took my kids to yeah well and it was I, also I, wasn't I would, it also I, our first Direct like goal from a direct free kick, like a uh, in goal? in MLS. Somebody who was it was uh, um, Andy on Twitter said something like it was there was a Molimbe Torat actually had a free kick in I think it was the open the open cup last year. Who did? And then had a and then had a lame ass celebration that Adrian Heath totally called out in the post match interview. Wait, who did? Uh, Moimbe Tarat, the, the the guy that we brought in and left for like left back, the guy with the Cisco hair, blonde oh, hair. Oh yeah, that left back guy that we like yeah. we had for like. I didn't even remember. He, I don't even remember him existing. I remember yeah, that he now. didn't play. That was it last season? Yeah, it was last yeah. Season. Like, like they brought him in, and he was supposed to be like our like big signing. Like, and he was he, he was supposed weird. to be like the metonier of the left. Yeah, and then Gasper did well, and they're like, yeah, I guess we don't need you, huh? Yeah. I would say, but I, I would say that this, uh, yeah, that's our only direct free kick. Um, he hasn't found a club since. I totally go. forgot he existed. He, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I need to like, There's I need to have a running list of remember that guy entries because yeah. there's just too I would, many. But I would put Reynoso's free kick up there with like, what pick pick your favorite of Darwin's hat trick. You know, uh, one of one of those goals like. You know, so um, a goal importance is also has to go into ranking a goal. Yeah, in, totally, in totally. So like Darwin's goals were not in a in, in a situation where like there's win or die kind of thing. This correct. Goal, so. so we we went up then uh, two nothing in the 67th minute with the um, indirect free kick that Debassi gets. Uh, it's a it's a, also a fantastic goal, but even up until that to that point. Minnesota United were never the better team, right? We never, as Stefan Fry said at the end of the MLS Cup final, in Minnesota, Seattle always felt like they had control of the game, even when they were down to nothing. Against Columbus, they were never in control. And that that was the, the biggest difference. You know, in the first half, right, Jordan Morris hits the post. We had the, uh, you know, it was a good call offside for Rui Diaz. But, or no, not offside, the foul, sorry, against Boxall. But 
we were lucky and and we had uh, there was another chance that that Rui Diaz had I think I think going to that point I don't know how you guys felt by the 70th minute did you th- were you like feeling like this might actually happen yeah Ian did I mean I felt like we actually were controlling the game pretty well mm-hmm um, and if you look at like, yeah, Jordan Morris hits the post from like forever away. It was a great strike. Um, but we weren't giving up good chances. I felt like we were, you know, sitting in and defending in a really disciplined manner. And I felt like it was happening. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely had to refrain from uh, any tweets. I've, I've learned to, to wait until the like 86th minute to start spiking the the ball but um you know in this game i should have waited you know you have to wait until the 90 90 plus two minute um (laughs) i mean do the do the rest of you feel the same were you feeling like we were more in control than i'm giving credit i i was hopeful i and i think we were we were in control up until we were in control and we had the 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 momentum was on our side going into that second goal um me personally, like I'm hopeful, but I was like, I want the third. I need the third to definitely like actually outwardly be like, we're going to do this. I want the fifth um, to get to that point. I guess. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, although like if you would ask me in 20, 2018, I'm like, we need to be up four zero before I feel confident that we're actually going to win. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that, uh, I thought we might be able to get him on the, you know, um, on the counter maybe one more time. But I thought that Heath get into it, but I thought that we were going to sub in and just start parking the bus a little bit. I was like, where's the fifth center? Where's the third center back? Where, why aren't we clogging the midfield? Why are we yeah. leaving Ozzy in, you know, past the 65th minute after that second goal, like he shot, he can't make it up and down the field. So that's when, as soon as I saw that, like, Oh, we're not really making those kind of changes. Then I was like, "Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. No, for me, like it's of course, after we score the second goal, of course I turned to my wife, Lindsay, I was like, Oh, most dangerous lead in, in soccer right there. And then, like five minutes later, when I saw the Kai Kamara substitution, I just, that's when I went, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, like it hasn't worked yet, right? I mean, oh, no. and I was like, "This is exactly what you should not do." Like, if you, and the thing is, he also took out um, Ethan Finley, which the reason why Jordan uh, Morris ended up shifting over to the left side or our left side, his right, their right side, was because. After Manair went down, uh, Ethan Finley was dropping back a lot more to help out um, uh, on the right side. And they were doing a great job of defending over there. And so not only are you putting in a non-defensive substitute, but you're taking off a guy who was actually dropping back and being like a third kind of def- – like uh, he wasn't so much an attacking midfielder as a you know holding midfielder. You were, you're, you're almost creating like a weird 4-3-3 where he's yeah, – it's- and as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh fuck, it's not gonna happen." It, it's, I'm like, I got that nervous feeling in my stomach, and I sh- you shouldn't have that feeling when you're up two nothing with 20 minutes left. Look, for me, it was right around the 64th minute when Morris took the shot. Uh, we went, no one stepped to him, giving him 
if you look into to, the replay, you give him probably like a five foot radius and where there's like no one in front of him. And that ball should have gone in, like literally. And it, it, once I saw that, I was like, well, we're, we're not stepping. Nobody was stepping. Gregor was slow back. Everyone was tired. And I think, uh, this wasn't, you know, the greatest game, um, for, for Molino. Uh, but as you guys pointed out, Finley was one of the reasons that we were, um, we, we were defensive, uh, we found doing defensively well in that point. And I think on the 69th, when Kai Kamara came in, I think that is probably one of the biggest questions that, that I, that you would have knowing that at that time and the momentum that it was going, do you feel that your current players after X amount of, of rest, um, can hold off or do you make a substitution and start making defensive substitution? And I, and, 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 and as you guys said before, I mean, Kai Kamara has yet to deliver in a, in a, in a situation where we put him in a situation where he needs to do something. And I think, um, that was one of the things when it started, started going downhill for the rest, for the rest of the game. And that's the frustration where it goes back to my theory that Adrian Heath has a substitution rule based on who he thinks is the best player. And he takes the worst player on there and he takes them off, right? Ethan Finley is not as good as Robin Lude, quote unquote. And therefore you take Ethan Finley off and you put Robin Lude there. I think Robin Lude is a better attacking player, but no one can say that literally no one on the team runs more than Ethan Finley. The guy, you know, he's got, he just has a motor and he's a no. guy you would want running to, to And help. also the fact that like, when you sub off in Finley, suddenly you're uh, transitioning Lude to the right now instead of being the like the false nine, where now he's expected to defend, which hasn't been defending the entire match. So now you're forcing him into a brand new role that he kind of has to build up to as well, and it just it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So let me let me ask you about this though. Um, to to go a little bit back to to my my sense of us never being in control. Did any offensive uh, offensive player other than Reynoso, who obviously we talked about, um, did any of them play well? I mean, it play well in terms of um, not what we're talking about, Ethan doing the good defensive work. Did any of them play well in terms of possession, creating, etc.? Uh, there were some times where Lude looked good. He had a yeah. couple opportunities. M- Molino would... I just feel like Molino, Lude, no, Molino looked Finney, bad. They weren't, um, especially after the week before, and, yeah. and and seeing how much work they were doing and how much praise we were going doing. There were so few times where you felt like they were even releasing pressure by possessing the ball and and doing things. And that's what had me worried a lot of the game. Where it's there are some of those games that we've had in Minnesota United's history, LAFC, that big win away, where we pull off something by basically just taking the soccer ball, putting it between our butt cheeks and clenching and just being like, just take it, take it from our iron ass cheeks. <laughs> and so they, um, see, I like it that Ian, Ian now is, has not learned to mute himself. So I, we actually can hear someone laughing at my stupid ass jokes. Um, so, but like, we, there's only so much the like ass cheek clenching tactic can work. And you can do that sometimes. We've had so much where we've talked about how Dan St. Clair did his deal with Satan, with Celine Dion, and and tried to make something uh, ma- happen through magic, but 
there's only so much magic you can have. And Brian Schmetzer doesn't believe in magic because he thinks that um, Magic the Gathering is is actually probably demonic and we should talk about it at the next uh, youth group retreat. <laughs> Sorry, Wes. I thought somebody just needed to laugh at that Thank joke. Thank you. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, I, no, I was... Workshopping a Pokemon card game in my head that that's what Schmetzer actually plays, but then I was like, it's not quite there. No, so Ian, you should talk about what you think. Schmetzer plays Yu Gi Oh! That's what he plays. Schmetzer doesn't play any games because games are from Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, I think the I think Seattle did a really good job of you know, I mean, they saw what Load and Molino had done throughout the playoffs. They did a really good job of keying on them and denying them space. Um, it's hard to play a front four against a team as good as Seattle uh, when you have the limitations in mobility and central midfield that our team has. You know, if you have four going forward, the other, you know, Grey Goose and Alonzo have to cover all that space. Uh, and that's a hard ask against a team that's as mobile uh, as Seattle, especially when, you know, I mean, like, they had what two full days of rest i mean seattle had tw- like more than twice as much rest as our guys did i mean that's a, that's a big difference you you know though it's always like we also knew that and you can like sub accordingly right if ozzy alonso is not yes. gonna make it and the problem is <laughs> right. i get it right you always think you're better with ozzy alonso on the pitch right ozzy at 70 percent is better than just about every player in the league but you also have to think about Ja'Cory Hayes could do a job there, right? You can imagine, we all knew that in the 70th minute, Kai Kamara would come in. We can imagine, though, ways that you could try to shore up the defense, not try to maybe completely collapse. And part of that is is, is probably Ja'Cory Hayes, right? You could put Ja'Cory in for Robin Lud or something like that, Um uh, well, I guess I guess then who goes up top? Anyway, well, I mean, there's there's ways you bring Marlon Harrison on to play right back, move Hassani into the middle, like yeah, yeah that's exactly definitely ways. Yeah, I mean, if, if you were to put Harrison on the right and then you put Hassani in the middle, then you have a physical midfielder who's willing to go box to box to try to cover as much space. It was fun watching Lodeiro and uh, and Ozzy go at it during the beginning of the match, but then towards the middle of the first half and towards the day, it, it just became. You can see that the fatigue factor for Ozzy and the lack yeah. of playing time was, was, was becoming apparent, right? In the previous game, he was getting burned by young kids. And and, and, and you could totally tell. And and, and asking, asking Gregorich to play a defensive role when his role isn't as of an eight, it, it really is counterproductive in that sense. Like if his role is to get the ball to Reynoso to his feet, that's fine. He can do that. Ozzy can do that. Jacori can do that. But the question is, um, if, if, it, if, if that's what they're going to do, then that's, that's what we should find people to do that. If that's what we're going to do. But in that, in that case, if, if we are, if that's not working, then we need to figure out a way to, to change the, the personnel on the field to be able to do that. And as you said, Wes, like, you know, everyone else knew Kai Kamara was coming at the, at the, at the 69th, but for who? Usually Finley or Lude. And I would have preferred Lude in that sense to be able to keep some of that. Uh, hustle onto the field, and 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 after that, it's just you know, our, our defense got tired in a sense, right? I mean, Chase got very sloppy towards that end of that end of the game, and and we've seen that from Chase, and we expect that from Chase, 
right? Use his physicality. Metzenier, uh, you know, was getting beat from time to time, but he was still being consistent. It was just the lack of discipline that was really something that 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 was really like over here. Like if we if we talk about the f- the first goal, right? We talk about the the Will Bruin goal. That that was that's a goal that happens that we've been lucky we'll be lucky not to have happened to us before, but we've seen it happen, right? Um, I think that that's a that's a good shot by Will Bruin, but it also has to do with the fact that we weren't press stepping up to the ball in the midfield to be able to 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 put pressure on it, so so the ball. So our center backs don't have to make those decisions to try to cover more ground than they should be. On the corner kicks, and we can go over it because I put pictures and notes. The yeah, lack of that. discipline on who to cover and which post to cover was was something that even Isa watch was like, "Why is nobody covering the post? Well, like, well, why, what's with the post?" Let's so. take the more simple thing. Why? How in how in God's name do you allow Rui Diaz to simply be alone in the box? And they did it even after Rui Diaz scored that scored that goal. Then the the final uh, corner kick where Gustav Svensson gets the goal. Rui Diaz was was wide open again in the box. They like this. No one no one thought like, hey, here's uh, the guy who this one Peruvian podcaster is always talking about is going to win the Golden Boot Watch. Uh, let's let's cover this guy. Uh, they didn't think that that was that was useful covering him. Yeah, <laughs> it just was. Yeah, it was Covered criminal letting cool. letting Rui Diaz alone for well, that. I mean, if, if, if you look at it, like if if you if you look at the if you look at the, the still that I posted, and, and I'll describe it. Like mm-hmm. the far post is uncovered, right? The uh, Rui Diaz is literally has five or five or six yards where no one's covering him. Uh, Kai Kamara's in the middle, and the Basi is the one that's supposedly the closest to him. And none of them run to the ball. Like there's no communication. At that point, I'm looking. Usually, I'm looking at my keeper to say, "You get that guy. You get that guy. You cover. You get post." Like that's 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 the thing that that I'm looking for to hear or to see. And and I, and I think at that time it was just you know nobody was communicating and there was no aspect of discipline in how to cover. And 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 like you said, it's like how do you leave Ruiz? wide open with literally 10 yards to be able to create a shot, right? And if someone had been standing on that far post uh, and when he shot the ball, it, it, it could have bounced up and it could not have got in, right? But what drives me crazy is, is the second one with, uh, with Svensson, the winning one, when literally Svensson has probably six, two, three yards in front of him where he, there's nobody. There's a circle of pocket of space where no one is marking. And that just frustrates me. And 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 it speaks to the lack of discipline and communication. Yeah, it makes you wonder what what Debassi's, uh role was there, right? Debassi's name. Well, MLS that. Assist, like the Athletic podcast, had a very very good tactical breakdown of all of those of the two corner kicks. And for the first one, basically, like uh, what Minnesota was doing was it was a combination of zonal and man marking. Like, and they went through this. And so the reason why Ruiz is so open is that Debassi is covering the far the, the third zone outside of it and like and then you come in on the next one where it's switched on the opposite side of the field and now Debassi has to do man marking and it's like there's just no consistency with the marking and whatnot it's just yeah so th- let me go to this question it's from Bill Lydon uh which is how responsible is Adrian Heath for the loss in in Seattle and I think 
we we've talked about in in recent podcasts Adrian has exceeded a lot of our expectations and and made us kind of rethink the a lot of the criticism we have for him e- even while some of the tactical things that still drive us crazy are there it, it, it's very helpful seeing national media cover a game like this where they are criticizing the th- same things that you've been criticizing for for years and that is like oh yeah great I'm not a crazy person so um the that is nice but the, this question of how responsible is Adrian Heath for the loss in Seattle I guess I'll I'll put that I think he's he's not without blame I think it's less than we want to think um it it, it does come down to his game management his match management with um why didn't he go into a more defensive shape? Why didn't he think about the fatigue? If he's going to say they got two, them guys got two more, you know, days of rest than we did. Then why, why didn't we consider the fatigue in terms of who we brought on? Um, so, so yes, that's the, part of it. The Metnir injury does change a lot of the calculus. I it think does. that Hassani Dotson would have come in in the second half. If yes. He had not come in from Metnir. So I, yep. I think that that's a frustrating. That, yeah. And, and, and so that, that I think, and I think that that burned us. I, I don't, I don't know if we would have lost if Matt Nair would have been in because we would have had a little bit more of our experience, um, our experienced, talented, younger guys in the midfield. I do think there is, in terms of the corner kicks, the things that lost the match for us um, is Dan St. Clair's inexperience in shepherding his back line and the team in terms of who to mark and how to mark. Um, but but they, chased- those are set pieces that sh- that should be pre-established before the game. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I guess we get what you're saying, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but what? But the 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 next point that I was going to make is there's a lot of youth in in critical spots on our back line, um, in our goalkeeper position and left back, and Chase is notoriously bad in these kind of critical moments when it's high pressure, he's either going to give up a red card or he's going to get two yellows uh, and then and, and get uh, get um, kicked out. And I think between him and St. Clair, this is a high-pressure match. I think their inexperience shows, and it, particularly with Chase, I think his inexperience showed, like, why why wasn't he stepping to Rui Diaz? Why was he leaving that open? Um, and so I think that there is a little bit of blame to be shared there because some of that is ultimately on the players that are that are on the that are on the pitch and it was specific to the corner kicks because otherwise i think we were doing pretty well to maintain um but yeah i mean is adrian he is adrian he's totally responsible no but is is he very responsible like yeah of course yeah i i think it's a yes and no question is he responsible or not that's it. Well, he obviously is, right? Yeah, he is. So. The, the, He's a coach, if, so. if 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 it's if we're purely saying yes or no, yes, I will say yes. Does so? I want to finish this segment on this this question for everyone. Uh, the regular contributors to this podcast have already kind of answered how we look back on this year. Um, so so I want to amend or or go back to that. Um, Ian, you can kind of give your first take. But how do you look back on this year? 
with the the kind of great run, and I ask it with this in mind. I messaged a friend of mine, um, Mark Kastner, who, who writes about uh, Seattle Sounders. I I messaged him to say like, how many of your of Seattle's games this year were th- these categories of they won and they deserved to win. They won, but they were a bit lucky. They uh, were unlucky and should have won, or they were they they were garbage. Right? We've talked about it on the previous uh, episodes about how there were not that many games this year where Minnesota won and they deserved one to, to win. Right. There was a, a lot of kind of like squeaky bum time or, you know, steel ass cheeks with the, the ball in there. Um, so I guess, I guess I'm wondering, like, do we look back at this and think like we probably overachieved? Am I, am I fair in maybe assessing that? I think so. I mean, especially if you look at just all the players that were missing throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, the reason that, I mean, the fact that we, you know, we kind of snuck through and like won a couple, pulled off a couple that we shouldn't have is testament to like, I mean, our depth stepped up, which I did not expect this year. That's a, that was a very happy surprise for me because we've never had depth really before. We've always been like, if our guys, our main starting 11 are out, we are screwed. And I mean, the fact that we lost our starting striker, our starting goalkeeper, our defender of the year, yeah. um, you know, our, the only number six that we have on the team was out for half the season. Um, and we got through and we still finished fourth, which I mean is what we finished last year and we made a run to the, conference finals okay i want to take a break uh because we've kind of killed that game i'm sure we could keep talking about it forever but uh you know we'll come back and we've got some roster all right here we are it's the 55-1 podcast we've got uh some changes we've got some announcements to, to make uh, we won't go through the whole list of who was kind of brought back and who was uh declined I guess I'll just do this. And who are the highlights, uh, guys? Who there's these categories of who was brought back, whose options were picked up, who were negotiating with, and then who were declined. Anyone surprising on the declined? Who who won't be back next year? It's Schoenfeld, Musa, Ranjit Singh, Aha, Partida. Remember that he he was a player. <laughs> I was very surprised by Partida. And, yeah, I, and then um, Kai Kamara. He showed a lot of promise in all the appearances, <laughs> and I was I really thought he had it. I, I thought um, n- nothing in any of the categories are terribly surprising. Um, the Reno 911 guys, um, whatever. Um, happy that you're here. Um, I think Jose Aja was the only one that kind of surprised me on the declines just because of how we just talked about it, how solid he was during MLS's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and through uh, decent chunks of the season, I thought he's a good depth piece. Um, but yeah, but he ultimately the, though it, the it's real like thing not, with Aha is that he was moving into a different category. He had to be a, a senior rather than supplemental roster. Yeah, yeah, and there were things there. I think he takes up an international spot. Yep, he does. And so that that's a reason there. I think it's a little harsh on a guy who had a pretty good year for us. Yeah, and remember we talked about when he came into the team, like Heath's comments were like, "Yeah, he's a guy. He's a human." 
Yeah, so. he's played soccer before. He, he's a yeah. human who plays soccer. So I mean, you you just liked him for his looks for a while, so it was it was totally fine. So don't blame me. Um, um, yeah, I mean, when when somebody pointed out that it was occupying an international slot, I was like, oh yeah, then he doesn't need to be here. Currently negotiating or discussing futures, we've got Alonzo, Harrison, Coleman, Hayes, Molino, Amaria. Uh, we've uh, we've talked. Uh, no need to talk about Molino in in terms of like we know that we need him back. He, unless well, also, he, where else is he going to go? Seriously, Austin. Anywhere, anywhere else? What? He goes to Austin. And he has to do what? He has to create offense. Yeah. That doesn't really work for him, right? If 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 I was Molino, I would. If I'm going to go anywhere else besides Minnesota, which they're offering max money, right? Right now is is I'd go somewhere where I, there's someone close to a number ten that will get me the ball. Right and and find me in open spaces. If not, it's not. If 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 it's up to me to create the offense, f it. I'm not gonna do that. Screw that. Give me if the money. If someone wants to offer you money, give me the balls. Yeah. and I'll score. Ian. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you hear Heath talk about Molino, you know you're lucky to find one person who loves you that much mm. in your life. Don't leave. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I, I think it's very likely he comes back. It it sounds, and I, I'm I'm taking this not from like any insider knowledge. It sounds to me what you hear is that. Uh, that he probably will come back. He he's a great Tam player. You give him a million dollars, you buy him down from there. It's totally cool. Um, I hope that happens. I think that he certainly could go to a lot of clubs. A lot of clubs would take him and be like, that guy is going to, he's going to score some goals. He can create. Uh, he's better as not being the number one creator, but he was great for us in the first year when he was the only guy creating shit. Um, we, we've got, uh, Ozzy Alonso is likely to not come back, right? Because now we're hearing rumors that Will Trapp is going to come in. And uh, I don't know if you guys have thoughts about Will Trapp. Do you, or are we... It's, it's I, I have, if I think I've said it in, in the Patreon Slack. So if you want to see my comments, you can subscribe to the <laughs> you Patreon. You got to pay to see my bullshit. Um, there you go. Um, Wait, what was that? It, www.patreon.com uh, I think it's gringo gringo dead.com <laughs> slash westperdine yeah. <laughs> or, or, or if you can't find that just westperdine.com yeah. yeah. um, if we if we get the will trap from Columbus because people are like oh will trap in the US men's national team blah 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 I was like I don't like he's fine but if you get the guy that was in Columbus he's not the destroyer that Ozzy is but he makes longer passes than somebody like a Reynoso would make. Um, I, I'm excited for it because I don't think that we're going to get more than half of a good season out of Ozzy. And I don't see Ozzy coming back unless he takes a pay cut or he's, or if we're willing to pay him, if he's okay being uh, number two or have severely limited minutes. Yeah, I mean, we paid Ozzy what almost like seven hundred thousand dollars this year, and he played for ten matches. And so, I mean, if you just do the math on that, it just it doesn't work out. And so, you know, I'm and I'm excited. Like I, I like Will Trap as a player just because. <laughs> Sorry, I, the chat distracted. Me. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're you keep on jumping. I, 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 I opened the chat just in. now and saw that you guys are talking about me in it. <laughs> And motions are great for podcasts. Keep it up. That's, that's all right, I do. That's right. So it's all I do. Rodrigo, you but got no, something. I love Will Trap in that um, he. I think he's going to give us a very nice option 
playing out of the back as far as connecting the defense to the offense because, as Corey said, he has an ability to play a long ball, a very, very accurate long ball. And I think that's just something that both uh, as great as Ozzy is, Ozzy is not like a pinpoint long ball kind of like going to drop it on a dime kind of player. Neither is Grey Goose. And having that in our arsenal as we're trying to release our attacking four up top is going to be great because there's going to be another way to relieve the pressure and to bust out on a counterattack. So I think Will Trap will be, if it all works out, a good addition. Rodrigo, you're like begging for the for the ball, and then like we pass it to you. Sorry, I was grabbing another beer. Um, <laughs> no, I I I I I understand this obsession with finding the next Ozzy Alonso, but we have to come to realization that finding the next Ozzy Alonso it's going to be like next to impossible to do. Right, you have to go to like a, so, a like, Siberian prison to find a man who can shiv like Ozzy. Right, you need to. You need, there needs to be an Expendables. Four, have you seen the movie? And that's and and, and, the, and the reason that to extract someone from prison from prison is to get the best number six there is in the world, right? And to be able to put them in and recruit them to Minnesota United. So I, I I think as long as we have a six that is good at passing the ball and doesn't lose the ball that often, I think we'd be okay in that position in the aspect of it. And Alonso is great in all that he does. And he's one of the greatest number six that has ever played the MLS, and probably, uh, you know, in 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 part of North America or the in that aspect of it. But I think Will Trap, as long as he can put pressure and put give the ball to Reynoso, right, uh, and be able to pass accurately to the foot or to the feet of the player, then then we'll be okay in that aspect of it. I think that is the key to what we've been finding out. Is if we're able to do that, then 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 we're fine. And Gregor is good at what he does because he's a great passer, right? But at the same time, like, um, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to either try to see what the market will take Gregor or 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 buy him down from his contract so we we open up a DP spot. Because so, if we're asking Gregor no longer to be an eight and be more a, of an assistance to a six. Then, 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 are we really doing justice to what he really is more comfortable? I want to, I want to just uh, lift up the term that I think we heard in Twitter, Twitter or the Patreon that gr- shifting great, uh, talking about Dotson as the chaos eight, uh, which would be a nice role for somebody like Grey Goose. So for Will Trap, I just want to point out this that Columbus let. Will Trap, their their spectacular number six, who became a national team player, they let him go for a hundred thousand gam, and an international spot. So I, I. That's also pre court Columbus. Sure, but like, I mean, I, I I guess he and he was okay in, uh, in Miami. I I went to fifty five ones former um great uh stats guy dave ladig and you know he doesn't have the 2020 numbers yet but he said that for years he's kind of been in middle of the middle of the pack for stats i think will trap is a pretty decent player i don't think he'll be bad for us but the the thing is when you're talking about moving forward in such a big way and you think about this guy i, I as long as he shares as long as it's not like 
bringing in a mediocre guy and then you're pushing out Hassani Dotson. But if you're Hassani Dotson, it's like, man, what do, what do I have to do to get more playing time? Because I'm busting my ass off. I'm I'm good in I'm very good in 90% of my games. Why can't I get trusted with this role? I don't know. Well, you're always going to need to add someone uh, to that, but I'm, I'm, but, but, but I'm hesitant it, about Will, you know, especially because he, he's not, he, a, he's not a six though. I mean, Dotson is not a six. Sure, but you don't necessarily need a six. You need a midfield that works with a particular chemistry. You can develop a tactic to have Jacori, Gregouche, or Arsani. And I'm just saying, I just want to say this Will Trap doesn't have enough L's in his name and has one too many P's. I don't trust a man <laughs> with the wrong number of consonants in his fucking name. That's, that's a thing. No wonder you hate it, Peruvian players. It's it's a fair point, Wes. I mean, like, why one L, Will? Yeah, it just doesn't make thank any you, sense. Thank you. It's my good analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, the thing is, like, Dotson likes to go forward. That's what he likes to do. And we all love a Hassani banger. We love it when he goes yeah. forward. Um, but you know he really hasn't shown a lot of inclination to hold. I, I just don't. I mean, I don't know if that's his position that he actually wants to play or is suited to play. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, and I've actually, yes, I, I believe that is Ian, also my position. position. Did you I play just in college or overall. I was a left back. Ah, so we should have signed yeah. Ian instead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You right well, there. you'd have gotten okay. just as many yellow cards out of me <laughs> as. <laughs> So, that's all right. fine. We as long keep, as it's not in the box, that's fine. We got to yeah. keep moving. Uh, uh, with the the question about Luis Maria, I think that they are going to bring him back. We need. We only have one striker, and his name is Foster the People, and none of us know anything that he can do. I don't think any of us believe that he's going to be playing more than five games next year. Um, but you think he, he will, Ian? I, I hope he plays fewer than five games. Okay, all right. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice here. So uh, I, I, I think it's, it was interesting that knowing that there is a Kev, that Kevin Partida played as a six, the fact that we didn't keep him, knowing that we don't know what the future holds for Ozzy, either if he's going to play for us, play limited, play or be part of the technical team aspect of it. I I don't know what that is, but I found it interesting that. Him, out of all of them, knowing that he's played a six, did not get an option to be picked up. Specifically, how cheap they would have been for all the other players that we kept from the uh, the Reno team. The one player we did bring in was Callum Montgomery from FC Dallas, and uh, we should note that we're recording this on a Monday night. The uh, expansion draft, which we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, is happening on Tuesday. And so there's going to be some changes there. I think in the next week, we'll probably see some people come in. I don't expect big stuff to happen, the big players to, to happen until much later in the off season. So, but it's the off season. We're always going to be, uh, you know, behind things. Callum Montgomery, I know very little about him, but I'm very looking forward to having a young center back who can languish on the bench and then be sent to Chicago. Um, Tomas a Canadian Ch center back at that. Yeah, there we go. Ooh, I hope he takes up an international spot. No, he doesn't. Uh, Tomas Chacon uh, is. They talked about uh, in the the kind of post game stuff that Tomas Chacon is going to be sent, or they're hoping to send him to Europe on loan. The guy needs a loan. Uh, I'm still trying to. I think I'm going to make some Chacunista, uh t shirts. I think I'm just going to oh. sell them through the bar um, because I was trying to figure. out I didn't want to buy them on my own card and be 
have all these t-shirts in my house but if, if anyone wants a chaconista ornament for their tree let me know did you make me one yeah i did i was also gonna make one about kevin molino in the left hand left side but <laughs> I, I i didn't think of the wording specifically so i gotta talk to i gotta talk to nubia about how we can we can do that but i do have to deliver Corey's and Mark's. Well, Ian gets one is, uh, because he gives to charity. So, do you, yeah, here, here's here's a question: Do you think Adrian Heath sings "Hearts"? How do I get you alone to Tommy Chacon? <laughs> how long have you been thinking of that one, Corey? How do I <laughs> get you, Chacon? <laughs> Sing it, Ian. Sing it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I have to keep us moving. Um, uh, um, Sing it, Ian. This is your podcast. So <laughs> Austin, this FC. is like you know. I feel like this is like the uh, it's like the double albums the Clash put out to yeah. uh, put out to finish their contract. That's exactly what this one. Yeah. Every every week is that though. Yeah. We have so many contracts to fulfill. Uh, Austin FC are going into the expansion draft. Draft. Uh, I, I was going to talk about some of the players they've signed. But I want to just move to this uh, question, which is Alex Hintz has asked this question a couple of weeks in a row, which is which contract this with contract decisions underway for the eliminated teams? What's one player uh, who's been cut that Minnesota United should pick up? I think one easy way to to approach this question is to look at with the expansion draft. Do you see these players who are kind of available that Minnesota United could trade for? Are there any on this list, or who, if you're Austin, would you go after? We won't. I know go, what I know. What we're gonna do? What are we is gonna do? Austin is gonna pick up Dom Dwyer, and then we're gonna trade. Like no, Dom 50, is a, he's, and, but he's a free free agent. We oh, he's just, a free agent. Oh, yeah, God, he, he is on this list because that yeah, ruined that joke. Fuck. Yeah, we will. We but we'll do that anyway, just to just to give extra money because we love charity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love charity? Um, any of these players stand out? Stand out to you? Most of the ones I saw were um. I don't think they're they're like Minnesota United should go after them, but I just saw Joe Corona on that list, and I know he didn't play much this year. And he's also he, a lot older than I thought. He's only thirty. Yeah, I thought I was I was picture him as like the twenty five year old who's like making a. He never left it. Um. Yeah. I, okay. He apparently aged after the age twenty five. Yeah, but um, anyone on this list that Minnesota United should should target for a trade or um. Or I guess you, if you were thinking about Austin as as these being key players, you could build off of. These, yeah, like I, I wish this list had like free agent asterisks like Corey, because I, 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 I would welcome a, a depth signing of of uh, Jordi Reina to uh, Minnesota United. But he's not a free agent, so he's not. He he is on this list. So Jordi Reina is a guy that we definitely could trade for. For the amount of Jordarena has, has has done damage to us when we played against him, um, I think a depth signing of of, of Jordi would be would would not be a bad mm. thing. Specifically, because because we also have to think about the what if X person in this case Reynoso gets hit by hits by a bus scenario, right? Because if that happens, we're fucked, right? In the aspect of creating offense, so we need someone to be able to create offense in that aspect of it. And you already can from time to time. I mean, I guess we need to prepare for bus attacks, but I, I guess mean, the only one for me that really that really caught my eye, and I actually have no idea why. I don't know anything about his injury this year, 
But uh, Stephen Bateshore is on that list of available players. We should have taken him in our expansion draft, by the way. I've said that a million times. We really should have, yeah. And I mean, he's 33 now, so he's like, he'd be a great depth player for either, he could either wing or either uh, left back or right back. I think he'd be good. Um, If you're, uh, if you're Austin, I would not, I would probably take Perry Kitchen just because. You can't go wrong taking a experienced number six, even if he's not a great one. If you're, I mean, look at how when we started our, when Minnesota started our expansion, what we had to do to find Sam Cronin so we could have a number six to hold it down and the difference that made. Well, look at Nashville who signed like seven sixes this year and look how well they did. Yeah. Well, they did. They did well. They signed all these fucking sixes and then, then, then it worked out. Um, we should also say that Miguel Ibarra is rumored to be uh, targeted by Austin. He's he's not. I think his contract was declined by Seattle. I forget the situation of how that, yeah. that works. But um, Miguel is a guy. I thought that um, Schmetz would be a guy who could bring it out of Miguel. I think that Miguel probably was just, you know, if you you brought him to a place. Like maybe like Austin, maybe a, a a new club is a good place for that. I think that he can help create and do some of the journeyman work, and uh, I think you know I love the dude. I, I think that he's got his limitations, but it'd be great to see him at somewhere like Austin, especially because I'm going to go see some Austin games this year. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, Here's my thing about am. Uh, Miguel Ibarra um, is the um, he got his chances though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had like six or seven yeah. opportunities to score and he was he wasn't able to so Brian gave him a shot in the aspect of it to yeah. score goals and and I and I think in the first four games he he was he had four scoring opportunities that he yeah. wasn't able to put away now if he was he would have had a hat trick in like one of those yeah. first two games yeah, yeah. if he would have was able to put any of those in we would be having a different conversation about yeah. Miguel Ibarra's future in Seattle but yeah. the fact that he was a- wasn't able to do that and Granted, that's, you know, that could be, you know, you can excuse that by saying playing time or getting to an offense, but, or, but just bad luck. But regardless, if, if you don't produce in a sense, Seattle has a depth that you can become irrelevant in some sort of sense. Well, and they're so, also like, you, you know, there's an expectation. You're playing for one of the best teams in the league and you, you have to perform, which, you know, sometimes you're unlucky and sometimes you're just maybe not pushing hard enough. Um, I, I also just noticed that Patrick Mullins is on this list from uh, Toronto FC. And man, three years ago, Patrick Mullins was, was the up and coming young guy. Um, maybe I, I just haven't watched him that much lately because uh, I hate all other teams in MLS and don't watch them. But um, should we, anyone else on this list you want to point out or should we take a break or final break? No. Like I just the 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 look on your face, Corey, tells me enough. Like, like yeah, I have nothing to say. You don't about want to talk what, about you don't want to talk about Matthew Bri- McConaughey FC is gonna draft Brian. I mean, David Akam would be a great pickup. Yeah, but not for us. Like right, right. No, also, like, like yeah. here's the thing. Like I'm actually very happy with all of our depth, and so like I, there were a couple of questions of like who on like you know as teams announced their roster cuts, what cut players do you think Minnesota should pick up and. The nice thing is that like every year we've gone on, there's been less and less need to like where we have needs. And like this year, I feel like we're in a good spot where we actually have depth if we can retain 
the you know the Jacory Hayes and the um Harrisons and whatnots. Even, uh, even the I, the the free free agent list. If you go through, there's some good players in there, but are they are they better? The the big things we'd want, all right. We we need a left back, and we need a number six. None of those guys are on that list, and especially at number six, where you want someone who is a bit above. You know, Will Trap will be fine, as I've said, but you want someone a bit above that. Like you have to, you can't just go pull them off of a. Well, they this guy got released. Type list right. a left yeah, back too. All, I mean, in addition, in addition to those positions, we also need a starting striker and a backup well, striker. Yeah, but I, I think and we're, and we're not going to find those guys no, on those no, lists either. Exactly. Right. Oh, we might find the backup also striker. So currently, have only not. like three signed center backs. couple things because i always forget these things at the end um we are going to take a break on our regular podcast for a little bit um part of that is it's the fucking off season so give us a break there's been kind of like burnout this has been a tough year for everyone uh one thing that i'm going to try to do with my comrades here is to take some time to like think about what we're doing and try to make it better i think i'm extremely committed to being extremely unprofessional and being a couple of weirdos who just talk on mics about soccer. However, we have some fantastic people who support us on Patreon and we're going to kind of some, you know, solicit some, Hey, what do we need to do better uh, type stuff? And uh, you know, I'm also going to take some time. I've got an interview with Carl Craig that I'll, I'll record. Um, is it this week? I think it's this week. Yeah. Wednesday. And I've, I think I'm going to try to get Michael Vang from, uh, you know, St. Paul guy who plays for, uh, uh, forward Madison and, and a few other interviews and try to figure out what we're going to do during this off season. If you have thoughts uh, that are constructive, we'd love to hear that we're going to be kind of doing sporadic stuff. I think there will be some sort of comment uh, or content every week. And, you know, anyway, just thank you for all the support. It, it's kind of great. We love having uh, a, a group of Patreon people who support us, who also um, kind of, provide some of the the banter and feedback that, that we love to hear. And, uh, you know, it's been fantastic. Um, but let's do some Twitter questions. Um, here we go. A lot of these are, we told, we told them that there's going to be a dermatologist on. And, and so, uh, um, Fallon Moore says favorite sunscreen or one skincare fact. Most people don't know. Good question. Um, so I don't endorse any particular brand. Uh, sunscreens are labeled um, by their SPF. The SPF is the multiplier of the amount of time that you can spend in the sun with the sunscreen on without getting sunburned versus the time that you could spend in the sun without getting burned with the sunscreen off. I thought it was so just you have like an SPF. Go ahead. Well, I thought SPF just meant like how much you give a shit about cancer. Like oh ten, I don't really fucking care. But yeah, yeah, thirty. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty serious about it, but not too much. Like eighty, I'm just flexing. 50, you know? No, fifty. It I'm actually, from Ireland or something. Yeah, okay, right, exactly. So you basically you, um, I mean, most of us, I'd probably advise buying around a thirty or so. Uh, most of us will sweat off the sunscreen before you get the full advantage of like an eighty or something like that. You need to reapply reapply about every hour and a half. So. 
know, the way the FDA labeling is very consistent right, right now. So, so, so Ian, as a soccer player and mm-hmm. as a, and, and me as a, as a, as a, as a coach and a parent of kids that play soccer, yep. SPF 30 then? Or yeah, S- SPF 30, reapply. Um, so I started a, uh, soccer centered skin cancer prevention program about 10 years ago called Sun Safe Soccer. Google us. We'll hopefully be doing some stuff with them, uh, Minnesota United on Twitter too. Uh, yeah. this spring. Um, but, um, yeah. And if you can tent your bench areas, that's awesome. Just whatever you can do, uh, just cut down on the, uh, sun exposure. Um, can I tell a story super quick? Yeah. You fucking paid yeah, for so, it. Yeah. So I went out to the, I, I spoke a couple of times at the National Soccer Coaches Association of America meeting, uh-huh. um, about eight years ago or so. Um, and, uh, I actually got to give a talk with John O'Brien, uh, who you guys remember from the men's national team mm-hmm. scored that, scored our first goal against Portugal. And super nice man. Um, you know, super pale, redheaded dude from Southern California has been out playing soccer his whole life. Um, just, absolutely covered in skin cancers at the age of 35. So, um, you know, we're really trying to you know, educate folks, uh, you know, and get folks, um, to do the very simple, um, very, you know, repeatable, uh, habits that can help prevent skin cancer. Cause right now it's about one in five Americans are getting a skin cancer. In their okay, Ian, like use that program and, and outreach to soccer clubs. Cause all the soccer parents are sitting <laughs> Sit in the, oh, yeah. in the sun and the aspect of like, and like, I see them as, as, as fellow soccer players, but, but also as coaches, watch them turn colors from, from, from oh. pale white to, to tomato, tomato red in the aspect of 90 <laughs> minutes. It's, it, it, it's, it's a little bit distracting. Yeah. So yeah, you, it's, you it's, just it's come a, up know, with like, some sort of youth soccer outreach program to just, Talk about it. I'll, hey. I'll get you. I'll get. You, I'll get you your 15 minutes in front of yeah. in front of a second do, club board, and and you can pitch it and do whatever you want with that. Get, give it, man. We we had uh, we had like I think we had 12,000 kids in our program when I was in Virginia. Um. So you know we've gotten this pretty big. We've been at the NSCA, NSCAA a couple of times. Um. You know the biggest thing is when you know I'm new to this community. The biggest thing when you're new to a community is to convince them that you're not trying to rub sunscreen on little kids yourself. <laughs> you know, you're trying to you know you're just trying to educate, not actually trying to make physical contact with young children. Oh god, uh, <laughs> very important. Yeah. So uh, yeah, man. It, yeah, let let me know. Like seriously, email me. Um, you know, we're really serious about doing skin cancer prevention outreach with the community. Um. The more roots we can get, you know, people who are trusted members of the community like you, it makes a big difference. Um, you know, you guys make a big difference. You guys, I think, have a big influence with the supporters groups. So you know, uh, they're grown ups. We want them to like be sun safe too. So so sun safe soccer is what people should uh, go look up. Google it. Okay, yep. I'll, I'll also tweet it the, out. We're on the anymore. internet. We'll be at the stadium when we have a season again. So so uh, we've got this question from. Uh, Antifa uh, NTE every day who says, what's the right chocolate um, Chile to ratio for perfect mole? I believe that's, I believe that's a dermatology question. About, exactly. about moles. Wait, wait, wait. Did you? Oh, fuck you. Mole. See. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Mole. Eric Silva Brenneman says, is there an accent? Is there an accent? On- <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, it's um, mole. It's mole, right? Yeah, yeah. Eric Silver Brenneman says, "Oh my God, the fuck do I do about this on the wrist? Did you see fuck the picture you. that that we put in the notes, 
It, yeah, it, well, that's that's his punishment from God, yeah. and he should think about what he did. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, it's, it, it's no, a doctor, that seriously Eric. doesn't look like anything you have to do anything about. Just right. don't worry about it. This is what happens when Life's you play hard. cello. I remember I, I once went to, at, at one point, like in my 20s, I went to a dermatologist where I was like, hey, I've got healthcare. I should do this. I've got, you know, some like stuff. And I went to a dermatologist and he was like, yeah, that's just like, it's just like a really big freckle. And then he was like, oh yeah, that's just like you have a pore that doesn't drain or whatever. And I was just like, don't treat me like a dumbass. Like I just, I'm doing like the, I'm just coming to get you to look. Good old clog, clog, clog pores, pores man. Clog- I was gonna say clogged drain Burdine, but that doesn't make sense. Drain Burdine, no, it's he's um, fine. If, if West Burdine was anything, he was cyst. That's exactly. Thanks, guys. Cyst Burdine. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, yeah, guys. Yeah. Everyone's good. Cyst. cyst that needs to be drained. You guys are the best. And it's not one of these like liquid cysts. It's one of these like pussy, yeah, cysts cheesy, stanky, like yeah, sebaceous, cool. sebaceous, yeah. sebaceous yeah. sense that you I have to find the sack from to cut it out. It's great. Cool. Mark Slider says, Loon's question, where do you rank Heath as a manager in MLS? What tier? Dermatologist question, what's the worst tattoo you've seen on a patient? I want to go to that second question. I don't care about the Heath question. <laughs> Have you seen any really good tattoos or ter- terrible tattoos? Oh, we've seen some really unfortunate tattoos. To, um, of dog, so the, the dog? I think the one I ever saw was a guy who had a tattoo of Goofy that was the entire height of his shin. Oh, so I knew a guy called Matt the Rat, who was a Cockney dude who lived in Milwaukee. He was a Spurs fan, and uh, he was a bartender. And he had a uh, Dalek coming out, you know, like from Doctor Who. Yeah, from Doctor Who. Yeah, Dalek on his, like, calf, like, coming out. And it was was just, like, um, it was really committed to it, you know? And he was just, like, uh, he was just just a fucking, all right, mate, what time is it? Is it shot o'clock? And then he'd like pour you a purple shot or something like that. All right, yeah, yeah. And then he'd like come back like 30 minutes later. All right, mate, what time is it? Is it shot o'clock? Yeah, I guess so. I don't I don't really want it to be though. And then he'd pour you another purple shot that you don't want to take. But he had a really great Dalek uh tattoo on his leg. That's, was it was it just Dimatap on the rocks? It probably was. He's, he's from London. What do they drink there? I don't know. Um, but is right, right? Lucas Pippenhagen says, uh, how much money would you take to sell Reynoso? He, he was brought for $5 million. You're saying, Corey? Ten. I say, ten. I say, I say right I say, now. I say right a dozen. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least you're ten. You're not going to get a dozen I'm right just going to say this. But you're not, you're not going to get a dozen. You don't sell him for anything less than ten. $15 million. Not that you would ever get $15 million because... Why would you sell the player you've just spent a lot of money on? Yeah. When we talked about, we talked about this and like last spent, week or two weeks ago. You spent more time trying to sign him than he's actually played with the yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you, you keep like, like Mark Watson didn't get all of those sky mile points just for them to flip him. But he did. Because the dude but he did. Yeah, loves insane, Delta. He did. He's like, he's like listen, I got my Biscoff cookies. You can do whatever you want with them. <laughs> he's like, he's like I'm traveling it. around the world. And I don't have to pay. His daughters, the, his, his like kids are like opening their stockings and it's just pissed off cookies. It's, it's all just there. like Sky Miles oh eye mask. That's right. That's what I going to say. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, I, I just, I, I'll, I'll ask this final question, which is Toby S. Who says, rank the likelihood to play soonest and play the most. Uh, Aikopara, Ozzy Alonso, Luis Maria, Tomas Chacon. Uh, who's going to play the most next year? Oh, that hurts. That hurts. Uh, Ico Parra. Yeah, I think it's Luis. He'll be back. I think it's Luis. I think it's Luis, Ike, 
uh, and then the the other two were for us playing. playing for us or yeah, in for general. Us, for us, I think for, if us. for us, it's going to be uh, Luis, Ike, Ozzy, Ozzy, and Chacon are not playing for us. Yeah, Ozzy. I don't think we, we, what do you think? Luis. I think Amory is coming back. I think he'll be back from his ankle surgery first. I, yep. you know, we don't really know what's happened with him. Maybe it's post concussion. Um, you never know how that goes. You know, Chacon is so talented and so tidy and. It would be really nice to see him play a consistent running. He's games. got great skin too. You know, honestly, he looks like he sun protects really well. That well, dude wears sunscreen. Alabaster. Yeah. All right, <laughs> uh, comrades. This has been a very long podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, Ian, for uh, contributing to Sandy Foundation and supporting Dark Clouds, etc. Um, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, it'd be really fun to actually see you in person when when there's games. Uh, Thanks, listeners. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, come uh, support Curbside Drag this Friday or New Year's Eve. We'll do um, some to-go that I don't think is Curbside Drag. And uh, everyone else, you know, like, uh, have a good holidays. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to Carl Craig. And we'll do all these things. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks. Thanks.